hoping people can watch the replay here too. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So hello, inventors and entrepreneurs. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at Inventor Groups of America. Wave your hands in front of the screen if you're new here to Inventor Groups of America or type I'm new or just wave your hands anyway. Does everybody wave their hands? How about that? Um, that seems like more fun to me, you know? Yeah, we could do a wave too. I see some waves, but you know, we're not picky. It's all good as long as you're enthusiastic. IGA was founded by Stephen Key and myself to teach individuals how to best commercialize their product ideas, as well as strengthen and support inventor groups throughout the nation. We have a directory of local inventor groups and regional inventor groups on our website. If you're located near one, we highly encourage you to join. Everything we do here at IGA is free. Stephen, yeah, I said free. Everything is free here, okay? So that's pretty cool. I'm sure you guys like that. Um, we'd love to hear your name and what state or country you're from. So go on over to the chat right now. It's right down at the bottom usually. Click on chat and type in uh, where you're from, maybe a little bit about yourself. So, but please do not disclose anything that is confidential and is not already publicly available. This meeting is going to be recorded and will be harnessed on our website and our YouTube channel soon. If you have questions for us, please type them into the chat as they come to you. As many of you know, Stephen and myself also run a company called InventRight, where we coach and mentor inventors to license their products. In this IGA session, we are going to share with you, this sounds like fun, right? Because you guys are all about breaking rules and Steve and I are about breaking <laughs> rules. So we're gonna share with you 10 rules you must break to become successful at product licensing. So believe it or not, a lot of these rules we are breaking are our own InventRight rules that we teach our InventRight <laughs> members. What the heck's going on with that? So you see, we're, we are the most current company in the world you can find when it comes to what I call grassroots inventing. So what's grassroots inventing? Well, I mean, uh, grassroots inventing is an inventor or a small company licensing directly to big companies. Every day, our members are telling their coach what they're, what's working for them and what's not. And quite often, it's just a matter of the coach guiding them and getting them back on track. However, a lot of times, we start to see patterns from our members who are getting out in the world. And we make changes when we see these different patterns. So we're going to share with you some of these changes with you today because being current is critical. So let's get into it, Stephen. I know we have a great session planned for today. Let's go for it, man. Well, first of all, I want to welcome everybody uh, tonight to this webinar. And I'm really excited about doing this one, Andrew, because you're right. The rules that we're breaking are the rules that Andrew and I have been talking about for about 10 years. I can't believe I'm saying it. You, you know, to say that we're breaking rules, that's really hard for me to say because we've written about it. We've done videos about it. And now I'm saying, all right we've got to look at this a little bit differently. And I'll tell you the reason why. For the last four months, I decided that I was going to start pitching products again. Yeah. So I took on a few projects from some people and some of our students. And, and I went out there just like you're doing every day. And I thought, all right, I'm going to get in the fight and start pitching ideas. And you know what I realized? Andrew, do you have to put me on the big screen? I hate that. I did. Uh, you know, no, you don't want big screen? Nah, okay, I don't want to go. We're going to go slide well, soon. It's, All right. If, if All you right. do, I'm going to get way back so, so you can't see me. So anyway. Now, now, see, now I, I, for some reason, I can't find the button. You may oh, oh, that's, here we go. That's good, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so what I realized, I was getting very frustrated. And I'm sure you're feeling the same thing. And I didn't know what to do about it at first. So I kept on trying a couple different things that we've been teaching for years. And I realized things just aren't working today. And I'm pretty determined. In fact, I was really irritated. I don't get mad. I just get irritated about something. So I just stayed with it. I stayed with it. I stayed with it. And I finally realized things have changed. And the reason why they've changed is because it's gotten noisy out there, right? I mean, how many emails are you getting every day? How many connections are you getting? Can you imagine companies, right? The co-founder of Netflix says, you know, he said, I get a thousand emails. How are you going to stand out? And when you start to really think about it, 
if we're going to pitch our ideas or make relationships with companies, we need to learn to stand out. And so it's really important for me to share this information because once I once I got really irritated about it, I started changing things up and it started to work. So I want to I want to talk about all those things I've changed so we can help you get to those people that you need to get to to license or whatever you need to do with people because it's really hard. The first thing it's first thing you have to do is get to someone so they can listen to you. So Andrew, let's get the slides going. Go okay, before we do, I just want to welcome a few people. Stanley wrote in, he's from uh, upstate New York, I believe. Um, no, Great Lakes region, sorry. And then Doug and Melissa, uh, Melissa and uh, Allison Doug, I think, uh, upstate New York. Um, we got We got Ola, who's from Sweden. It's one o'clock in the night for him, I think oh, he's still here. Uh, Breton, uh, Perth from Perth, Australia. Fantastic. Oh, there's Ola right down there. Cool. Uh, Breton from Perth, Australia. Uh, we got uh, Norman from Quebec, Canada. Very cool. Uh, Jennifer from Philly. We got our um, uh, very faithful Celeste from South Africa. She runs an inventor group out in South Africa. Um, Let's see. Yeah. And then uh, Margie from Pittsburgh, Frank typed in, Michelle. I just want to welcome everyone. Oh, um, Michelle from Montreal. So good. Nice to, because you guys can do licensing from around the world. Do you want me to throw up the slides, Stephen? Let's get yeah. going. Okay, cool. Just wanted to welcome a few folks there. All right. All right, let's go to the next one. Oh, let me go full screen first. Hold on a sec. There we go. Okay. All right, here we go. Like I said, reaching out to companies today is actually more difficult than you could imagine. You know that because you guys are doing it now. It's really hard. People are screening your calls. I cannot call anybody um, that is not that does not know my number, and it always goes to voicemail, so I have to give them a text message. So people are screening their calls. People aren't answering the phones. Some companies don't even have phone systems anymore. It's crazy. We're getting bombarded. So we have to have a different strategy to get to people. And that's what this, this class is all about. So next slide, please. Mm -hmm. How do you stand out? How do you get someone to pay attention to you? That's what we're going to talk about. Next slide, please. Breaking yeah, this the... is your favorite part, Stephen. Stephen loves breaking the rules, guys. This is like, I can tell he's super excited about sharing. Well, I, I was afraid to, to talk to Andrew about this, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because, you know, we've done so much work and we have so much content with this, with what the steps you should take. And now I'm saying we, we got to rewrite this somehow. We've got to go Whoa. back. And kind of update some some information here, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So well, every everything we teach still works, but these are the major changes that you, we've noticed recently from your experience and our students' experience. So, okay, let's do it. Okay. Someone asked me, Steve, what is the best way to get the people? And I said, any way you can. I don't care if it's LinkedIn, direct email, phone call, Facebook, Twitter, or X or Instagram, I don't care. You might have to use multiple ways to get to people today. Back in the day, you could pick up the phone and get a hold of somebody, but that's pretty difficult today. What I like is really LinkedIn. I like to go to LinkedIn first. And the reason why, it's just easy to do. I can do it anytime and I can reach out to the people. It's just easier, but not everybody's on LinkedIn. No. In fact, um, a lot of people aren't on it. They're not on it regularly. And so the next thing I would do would be direct email. And you can get people's direct email. You can get it by uh, by email hunter. There's even a program, Apollo. Those, those are things that you can get people's direct email. And that's a great way because a lot of people do look at their email. Maybe they don't go on LinkedIn, but you have to. There's a couple of techniques I'm going to talk about how to get people to even respond to emails too. Or the basic just call people up. But I'll tell you, that's even gotten difficult. It used to be my preferred method would be picking up the phone. It's actually my last technique today. Stephen, would it be fair to say that if you're only using one of these techniques, you're not doing it right? That you really need to use multiple? Well, 
you know, if you're using LinkedIn, and it's working, stay with LinkedIn. Sure, sure. But it, but if if you got 20 companies trying to reach out to and eight of them are not replying to you on LinkedIn, you, you got to do another technique, uh, right? I think you have to use every possible way to storm the castle. There All you right, go. Next slide. All right. Uh, for years, Andrew and I told everybody, only reach out to people on Tuesday, Tuesday through Thursday, hmm. never Monday, because people just got in the office and never on Friday. People want to get out of the office today. You can reach out to people, especially on LinkedIn or email anytime, you know, even Saturdays or Sundays. I, I've, I've made connections on Saturdays. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Am I the, why is someone on on LinkedIn or watch, looking at their emails on Saturday. People do. Even the day before holidays, some people are in the office. There's nothing to do. They're sitting there. And yes, they pick up the phone. So there's no bad time. So that's another rule that we're breaking today saying, hey, anytime is a good time. But the point is you have to do it and you have to do a lot of it. Next slide. Yeah, Stephen, sometimes I get students, they're like, ah, oh, you know, should I be reaching out? In November and December, because there's Thanksgiving, Christmas. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You reach out the entire time. Yeah, you could send on Christmas Eve if you want. You can impress them that you're working that hard or something. You know, it really doesn't matter. And I, it wasn't. It was pretty long ago that we were, you and I were still saying Tuesday through Thursday. I haven't said that in a while, but it's still in some of our trainings. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So break break that rule. Anytime's a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here's another rule I want to break. I used to tell everybody, don't go after the biggest company. They're pretty risk averse. Okay. And they're probably, you know, have the attitude maybe not invented here, but they're really, they're not that innovative. I'm going to change my attitude here. Find the companies that have the right culture, have the right attitude. It doesn't matter their size. I used to say, hey, if they're too small, nah, no, too big, nah, do the medium. I'm saying now, I don't care. Reach out to medium. I mean, small, large, medium, reach out to everybody. But find the companies that have the right culture of innovation, meaning they're doing things new. They're looking for new ideas. They have, they they really want to connect with you. They want to hear what you have to say. Find those companies. It has nothing to do with size. Next slide, please. Yeah, here's another rule um, uh, that I don't want to break. When we first started out, we were like, okay, make your list of 30 companies. Uh, all right, still make your list of 30 companies. But don't go after all 30. Too much exposure. You can get to people faster today on using LinkedIn emails or phones. You can get to people. It's not like using, you know, back in the day when it was really hard to get to people. You can get to people if you're if you're doing some of the things we're talking about tonight. But I don't want to reach out to too many companies before I get feedback. Because that feedback is going to tell me if I have to change my pitch. Because that feedback, they might say, Something like, you know, maybe pricing is an issue. They see my marketing material and they go, you know, this is just going to be overpriced. Okay, well, I want that information. Or maybe they don't understand something. They're asking questions. I really want to get the feedback from companies so I can go back to my marketing material, use that information from the companies that I have contacted, and go back out to the next round by fine-tuning my marketing material. So I, I really like... I like the numbers you're giving here. So let's say you got a list. Let's say you're doing Kitchen Gadget. You got a list of 30 potential licensees. And you're going to start reaching out to 10 because they don't all get back to you right away. And then, you know, maybe two or three say, yeah, send me the info fairly early on. You send it to them and you, you ask for feedback. How often, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Stephen. How often should you ask for feedback? Always. There you go. Always. Okay. And some people aren't, aren't going to give it to you. And some people are. And that feedback, I always tell everybody, it's, it's the keys to the kingdom. 
you have to listen to these industry experts and 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 maybe use that advice maybe don't even pay attention to it if you don't think it relates to you i don't know but but use it it's that feedback that's going to allow you to 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 reevaluate your marketing material and make some changes so go slower limit your exposure get the feedback change your marketing material Are are you okay if only one in five people you ask for feedback gives it to you? Do you feel tremendously rejected if they don't give it to you? Did you do no, something I, wrong? Should you feel guilty? No, I don't feel it at all. I just ask it because if you ask the right way by saying, could you give me any advice? You know, people love to give you their advice, right? So ask for it. The one thing I, I noticed, I was pitching this one particular product and I thought I had the benefit of the idea correct. And once I pitched it to someone, they came back and said, no, this is a bigger problem that your your product probably solves. So I, I didn't see it because I, I don't have that inside information. And that person was, was actually in the field, knew exactly what the issues are. So I went back, reshot my video, reshot my marketing material, and then got it into companies easier. But if I didn't have that feedback, um, I'd be hitting the, the wall. So the feedback to me is really critical. We have an on-topic question here from Travis. Travis says, what's the best way to gauge a company's culture around innovation? Is it simply reading their website or their LinkedIn pages? He didn't mention this, but I will, their blog. Um, I, I, to me, I think if they have, I have a different opinion than you maybe slightly on this. If they're a major company that has distribution in stores and you can see they're doing innovative products, you know, that you think your product would be a right match for their product line. That's good enough. I don't need to see that they posted on their blog that they love innovation or something. Um, but, you know, you sometimes you'll go and you'll dig around their website. I think that's cool. I go to LinkedIn and hit um, post. I want to see what they're posting. I want to see if they're actively posting the things that they're doing. That's what I want to see. I want to see how they're marketing the material. I want to see what... I want to see how they're communicating with the public. And if you're a very innovative company, I can guarantee it. You're sharing that information because that information is, is what people want to hear. They want to, they want to see, they want to work with those companies that are innovative. So to me, the culture, you're going to see it very quickly by how much they're posting mm -hmm. and how much are they sharing about their culture, about innovation. And if they're innovative, they're doing a lot of innovative things, not just with their product, but how they treat their customers, mm -hmm. how they treat their employees, how they look at the world, find the right culture. And and you can just you can look at their product line as well as too. It's pretty obvious by looking at a product line. Wow, this is like Melba Toast, all the same kind of product. They got nothing innovative here, you know, yeah, sort the, of company. The reason why um the size, you know. I was working with this one particular product and we're dealing with very, very large companies. And typically I would avoid those companies like the plague. Well, one of them um, responded very quickly to it. And before you know it, uh, we started a conversation within days, within days. And they're probably the largest in the category. And I was shocked. But when I met the individual that was head of their innovation, you could tell that was something was they were very serious about it and they were moving quickly with it. So mm. I've changed my opinion on it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good. Yeah. Here's another rule that I want to break. I used to tell everybody, don't 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 reach the president. The president's got too much to do. Number one, it's probably pretty hard to get to. And guess what? If he likes it, he's just going to tell someone else to go ahead and do it. Well, guess what? Because you're on LinkedIn, you can get to the president now. And he has a more of a, he has a broader view of what he wants to accomplish. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of our members sent the, this product, and this is a, you know, I'm talking a big company, a billion dollar company, sends the product to the right person. And the right person is someone that's in new product development. That, that's, that was the guy's title. And his job was to look at new products. He looks at it and goes, no, that's not right for us. This At the same time, that same idea was sent to the president. And the president says, 
I love this idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all bets are off now. Okay, so, and we had a meeting, Andrew and I, with all the coaching staff and asked them what's going on. And a lot of the coaches have told me also that they're reaching out to the president and they're getting a quicker response. So yes, connect with anybody, president, vice president, sales, marketing, new product development. This but but you're not you're not saying just go at the front. You're saying go after everybody. That's what a lot of it is. I'll go to the top, and you're not saying that. You're saying go to the top, go to the middle, go oh, to the bottom, go yeah. to wherever you can. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you an example of what I do. Um, I find my let's say ten companies. Okay, great. I go to LinkedIn, and I type in the name of the company. The logo comes up. I see who it is. I I hit it, and then I then I hit people. And I might uh, look at the list of who's there. I might even go a little deeper. I might put um, sales or marketing or whatever. And within, I would say, 10 minutes, I'm going to connect with at least 10 people. 10 people, president, vice president, sales, maybe even more. Click, I just connect. I don't send a message yet. I don't do that. Just connect, 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 connect. And then I go off to the next company. So I go to the next company. Do the same thing again, connect, 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 go to the next one. So in, within 30 minutes, I could hit five companies, 10 people within that company. And now I've, I've done that part of it and I can do something else. That's how fast it is today, right? And within, I would say, you know, sometimes they connect within the hour. Sometimes it's 24 hours. Sometimes they don't connect at all. And the ones that don't connect at all, they just aren't on LinkedIn. now. Let me tell you what's crazy about this. Just today, one of our members is reaching out to McDonald's and Burger Kings and Wendy's and all the top fast food companies. I told him, pick five. He picked eight. He reached out to 10 people and I talked to him today. I said, how fast did people get to you? He said, about 90% got to me within two hours. Wow, that's, that's, that's unusual. The culture again. Yeah. That's what it that's what it showed me. It was the culture. They they were online, right? And they're 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 looking at, you know, they're involved. They're involved in social media, they're on LinkedIn, and they got the connection. So it all depends on the company, all depends on the category, but that's how I attack it. All right, let's go to the next slide. They, they gotta keep on top of the the market, make sure people keep eating junk food. I'm worried everybody might go healthy one day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah here's the other thing i think is crazy when andrew and i first started out we told everybody don't tell anybody you're an inventor and the reason why i think a lot of companies had a bad experience working with us inventors for some reason maybe maybe we were asking for too much or maybe we weren't um, presenting ideas correctly or for whatever reason, I think they thought of us as being kind of like crazy in the garage. Kind of like walking around with a tinfoil hat. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but I think it's changed today. Yeah. I mean, when you have companies like Intel saying, you know, celebrating inventor of the year or, or IBM celebrating all the patents and inventors and when you have all these other trade associations are celebrating inventors, they're not celebrating product developers, they're celebrating us. So I think what's really weird, so be proud if you are an inventor and don't say, hey, I'm a product developer. You still can, but you know, when you say you're a product developer, you're like everybody else within the company, most likely. But if you're an inventor, that gives you kind of a point of difference. So I'm gonna say, I'm going to break this rule and go for the inventor and see what happens. Okay. And, and so you're saying that, you know, large corporations are actually using that because it's kind of cool. And let's be honest, because it's newsworthy. We had always said in the past, say inventor to the news, you know, to news outlets, because they love that word because it sounds interesting. But hey, for companies, be conservative, use product developer. And now you're saying corporate America has adopted that because it is kind of cool and it's become more mainstream. So it's okay to say inventor again. Um, now, if you combine poor outreach, crazy emails with poor marketing materials and use the word inventor, the word inventor will not save you from that. If you don't do a good job, if you don't act professional, 
Uh, it's not going to save you to use the word inventor. It'll just validate what they might have already thought. Well, I'm going to show you how I do the pitch in just a minute because that's even changed too. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Um, you know, people always ask me, Steve, people probably respond to you because they know who you are. No, they don't know who I am. And they don't care what I've done years ago. They care about what you're doing for me today. And I've also realized that because people are so busy, you've got to be really short and to the point, right? And this is what I've realized because I played with so many pitches. I used to tell everybody, hi, my name is Stephen Key. I'm a product developer. Do you look at outside innovations? Do you embrace open innovation? I don't say any of that anymore. Forget it. I go faster to the point. I might say, hi, I have a patent pending uh, new sustainable packaging solution that eliminates plastic. The benefits are it's cost effective, got great billboards for advertisement, and it runs on existing equipment. In two sentences, I'm giving my IP status, what my product is, and what the benefit is. Two sentences. I'm I'm really going to the the pain. The pain is the pitch. The pain is the pitch. Right. So it's short to the point. Now, if you're in an industry where you've been in the industry, let's say for 25 years. I might say, hey, I've been in the plumbing industry for 25 years. Yeah, that's credibility, no doubt about it. Use that too. But you know, it's, it's another line, three lines. It's not even a paragraph yet, it's just really short. Then I'll say at the very end, may I show you a one-page sell sheet? If I have a video, I might say, may I send you a short video, a one-minute video, uh, demonstrating what I'm describing, right? And I'll all say at the very end, if you're not the right person to submit my product idea for review, can you refer me or give me the right name? I got it covered, right? And because it's so short and they know exactly, I've kind of, and if I'm really good at my pain point, if I really know what their consumers are having a problem with, they're going to respond. And I don't care how big a company they are, they will all respond. I had one of the biggest companies in the world respond to a pitch that short. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. So it's short, short, and short. Keep it short and, and see what the response is. It works. Okay, next slide, please. I'm sure we'll have a lot of questions on that in just a minute. Okay, here's the thing that's the most important thing out of all of it, all of it, all of it. 48% of most people don't follow up at all. Out of 48%, 25% only follow up twice. Success happens when you follow up six or seven times. You guys, this kills me. This is the thing that's so bizarre about all of this, but it makes perfect sense. If an email comes into me, let's say, Hold on. If an email comes into me, I see it. I don't do anything about it. I don't know who you are. I'm pretty busy. I might glance at it. I might even read it. If it's too long, I won't read it. I might look at it and go, okay. And then I, I go about doing other stuff. And I forget about it. Just, But if it pops up again, oh, there, that, there it is again. Hmm. Let me take a look at that. Oh, I might... I might take a minute to read it now. Oh, it came in again. Okay, I might, I might look at it again and I'll probably forget about it. But when it comes again, you mm -hmm. start to notice it. It's on your radar. You remember it now. And if you keep on following up, following up, following up, following up, I used to tell everybody, be a polite pest. I'm breaking the rule. Be a pest. Okay? Because you have to stand out. You have your product has to be so important in your mind, they, they need to see it. They need to give you a yes or a no. And we always feel like we're bugging people. No, you're not bugging people. You know what you're doing? You're taking your product and you're telling them this is important. You're being a pro. And and I actually like when people send me stuff. I tell everybody, if you send me something one time, 
there's a good chance I'm not going to respond. I'm just too busy. I get too many. And and but if someone keeps on doing me a favor and sending it again, you're helping me. That's what you're doing. You're helping me. And you're standing out at the same time. So, and I tell everybody, yeah, I used to tell everybody, oh, give them a couple of weeks. No, forget it. Give them five days. Now, what do you say? Hey, just following up, want to make sure you got it. I know you're very busy, but please take a look when you got a second. Hey, it's me again. I hate to drive you crazy, but this is really important. Have fun. Have a little sense of humor with it. What I do, so I don't drive myself crazy with the follow-ups, I make a kind of a chart of how many times I've followed up. I make a game out of it and go, you got to be kidding me. I followed up with that guy with 10 guys. 10 times I've followed up with that guy. He hasn't responded yet. I'm going to do it again. Have fun. Don't worry about it. Just keep following up. You're being a pro. Next slide. And, you know, some email clients, Stephen, they'll see that uh, similar emails have been sent before from the same person. But a lot of our students, what they'll do is they'll click forward and they'll send it again, but they'll show that there was another email below it. Right. So they can see, like, oh, you know, if they're really not paying attention, oh, this guy's been trying to email me for two weeks. Oh, I'm going to reply. I'm not interested or this is interesting or what have you. And that's OK. You, the thing you don't want to do, guys, is email them. Go, did you get my email? No, you want everything attached again. You want them to see that you've been reaching out before. That's okay. A little, little guilt or a little just, I like the way Steven put it. It's just like, oh, I appreciate this guy. I'm freaking busy. I'm a marketing manager. I got all these projects. I got way too many emails. I appreciate you sending it a couple of times, especially if you got good marketing and you're not rambling in the email. You know, they're, they're not going to look and go, hey, there's no red flags here. They're just trying to reach me. If if you write me a page, I'm not going to read it. I don't know you. I don't know you. Never. Right. And I see a lot of people doing that. They send me something that's so long. And I want to tell them, for one thing, you just can't write something that just without having it break it down with paragraphs. I mean, it's like, got to be kidding me. It's the worst communication ever. Keep it short. Keep it to the point. Get in and get out. But here's the other thing, too. If if someone's not responding, you could ask them eventually, hey, if this is of no interest to you, please just say not interested. Do that too. Ask for the no. It's okay. But get get a yes or get a no. Right. But don't stop until you get either one. Okay. Um, this is really interesting because I realized that you might have to try a couple other tricks, I guess. Um and this does work. I, I'm really surprised how well this works. I'm going to start with finding ex-employees. I never thought this would work, but I actually found that people that just moved on to another job um, will actually respond to you really quickly. <laughs> Maybe because they know they've been pitching so hard trying to get another job, they have some empathy, empathy for you. So they kind of respond. But I found that these ex-employees will respond to me and they know the right people to point me to the right people or the right department. And they're willing to share that information. So I go with ex-employees sometimes. I also go with creative people within a company. I'll reach out to sales and marketing, all the high levels. Then I've reached out to someone in the creative department. And the reason why we're like-minded. There's a thread. There's something about creative people that kind of connect with other creative people. And I, and I made some great relationships at companies going in that door because we share the same desire to create things, to share things. And so I think it's a great way of doing that. It's a little, takes a little bit longer to build a relationship, but I think it's a great one. Um, here's the other thing too. And this is what the, the co-founder of Netflix said. He goes, look, if you want to get my attention, when I post something, uh, read it, understand it, and ask a good question. Wow. You know, when you ask a good question, that tells the person that posted it, you took the time to read it. And you will stand out. And he said, I will know who you are. I thought that was really interesting. He also said, do me a favor share my post <laughs> you guys you know how simple that is 
I'll give you another example. The one of the most powerful people in this world of intellectual property is our new director of the USPTO. She loves social media. She posts every day. She posts more than I do. She's on there all the time. You'd be surprised that so many people don't say anything. They don't even give it a like. They, they don't even make it a comment. If you went out and said something to her about what she's doing, that person would know who you are. And she, you know, she's got 11,000 employees, but she'll know who you are. So you guys, it's very powerful to, to, to use social media to, to be a little different. Stand out. You have to stand out here. Next uh, slide. Yeah, this is really interesting. This is very, very interesting, you guys. You Let me tell you what's happening, too. Um, we're in an environment of caution a little bit, you know, uh, companies are are being a little conservative. Okay, so you need to stand out with your marketing material. Yeah, because once you get in, you cannot just keep you lazy about this. You're going to have to up your game a little bit. Now, not always. I don't think yet this is a thing you have to do, but I would try it. They will love you for it. Send the one-page sell sheet. We always talk about it at InventRight. It's your one-page advertisement of what your product is. Perfect. Send that. But maybe think about adding a second page. And that second page is going to help them make a decision. Because sometimes when you send the one page, of course, you know there's not enough information on that, right? And the more information you put on it, it starts to get cluttered. Before you know it, it doesn't really, it's not a great selling tool any longer. So what I want you to do is consider something that they're always going to be thinking about. How does how does your product stack up against the products that are on the market? They're thinking about it. What's your point of difference? Tell me your wow factor. So I would have a second page that shows here are five similar ideas, like a little chart, and, and then have yours and, and specify why yours is different. Let them see it. Because you guys, if it doesn't have those types of points of difference, maybe you need to rethink it and come up with a better idea. It's one of those things that, that they're going to look at and, and it gives you another opportunity to sell. I love it. Another opportunity to sell the benefits of your idea, right? I would I would really consider that Andrew and I are seeing the most remarkable marketing material that I've ever seen today. And maybe it's because you know we have a design studio at InventRight, maybe because we the new technology, 3D computer generated graphics. I've just seen the most incredible things and I've seen companies, the biggest companies on the planet, get interest from a 3D computer-generated model because it looks so good. If if you're doing your own marketing material, your own sell sheets, you were, you were stabbing yourself. You, you were making the biggest mistake on the planet. Up your game with great marketing material, up your game with good copy, up your game with a, maybe a second sell sheet. And here's the other thing, too. If you want to get a good one-line benefit statement, right? I know Leo's listening to this. If you want really good marketing material, I mean, really good one-line benefit statements, use ChatGPT. You guys, that's such an incredible tool. If you're not on there, get on there. Because what I'll do today, if I'm going to write an article, I will, I will do a prompt saying, I want 10 titles showing the benefits of this, or I want 10 titles to talk about the strategies of this and why it's important. Just play with it and you'll be amazed at what they come up with. It's like the greatest copywriter in the world that chat GPT. Now it's not perfect. You gotta, you know, some of it's not great. Okay. 
you might have to play with it, but at least it gives you a way to see how you can take that one line benefit statement of your product and really make it shine. Right. Give it power. Give it umph. Give it like, yeah, I want that. So mm -hmm. consider that. So what I'm saying is today, because of people being cautious because companies aren't they're they're a little risk they're laying off they're being they're watching the market they're they're playing the safe game they're playing the safe game right now you got to elevate up give them everything they need to make a good decision on why they should take your product so All Stephen, right. we're we still are firm believers in a one-page sell sheet where the the they look at it and they go well if our customers saw this they would want it and they get it in six seconds and so what you're saying, it's not an extra sell sheet, it's an extra page showing a competitive analysis, if yes. you will, and your point of difference. So it's not a second page to ramble on and on. We, we've never believed in, nor do we still believe in PowerPoints. You know, it might be something you show later. I have so many inventors that are like, I've got a 25 page PowerPoint on my product. I'm like, oh my God, no one will freaking look at that. So we still believe in a one page sell sheet, but, it's a second extra page that's a competitive analysis. Maybe you have pictures of a couple of products, your product, and you're just driving home your point of difference. And that's what it is. But it's not another second page to throw everything in the kitchen sink in there. It's no. a competitive analysis, basically. And I was on a call this week with um, part of our members that were pitching a book. And it was my literary agent, and I told them right away, you guys, the first thing you need to do, and I can tell you right now, you better do your homework, and you better you better know your point of difference because this person knows the industry, this person knows the competitive products, and if you haven't done that, if you haven't done that work, you'll never get a second chance. If you don't do that, you'll never get a second chance, right? And so, sure enough, they did it, and she complimented the group. Thank you for showing me a snapshot of why your, your product is different than the rest. It just worked. And that's what you need to do too. All right, next slide. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in moving the conversation quickly off some of these other platforms as quick as you can. And I wanna move them to Skype or Zoom or Microsoft Media. I don't care what it is. I wanna get them off of LinkedIn um, or an email. The reason why I want to have a conversation because I realized that the way to the way to get to a licensing agreement, I was telling Andrew this, is really listening and asking questions, so you can come back and give them answers to get the deal. If you're still selling you're going to make a mistake. You already sold it. They already want to talk to you. So once you move from that, you know, an email or whatever you're using and you get them on a Zoom call, you look at them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask, first thing I want you to ask them, what is it about my product that you love so much? What is it about my product that you think is going to be good for your customer? First question, because that information- You're, you're jumping to the next slide. We're still on this slide. I am. I am. I'm, I'm combining <laughs> them now. I'm combining them. What's the all next right, slide? Right. Go to the next slide. Yeah. Um, so you're you're going to go from LinkedIn to an email to a Zoom or Skype meeting. So you see see one another, right? You're having a conversation. It doesn't have to be formal. It's not formal. You know what it is that the first time, this first call you have, it's not talking about royalty rates. It's not talking about minimum guarantees. It's why don't we talk about each other? It's it's kind of like being a little social. It's like going to a party and go, tell me about yourself. Now, I'm a firm believer of asking good questions first. And it's not about you. It's not about your product. Ask them. Now, the reason why I want you to take this approach, you're going to take that information and you're going to be able to use it later. But if you're always talking about you, you're not going to be able to get this information. So the first thing I want you to ask Always know who's in the room. You know, if they're gonna if they're gonna come in, ask who's in the room because if I'm marketing, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more concerned of how to market my idea. If I'm manufacturing, I'm gonna be concerned about uh, manufacturing and costs. If, so people in the room will have different objectives. I, I get it, 
So I always thought, who's in the room so I can prepare? I asked them, who will be there so I could prepare? Once I get their names, I find them on LinkedIn. Okay. So I get there. I'm, I'm, it's casual now. Hey, you guys, I'm. thank you for the call. It's really great. First question, what is it about my product you guys really like? Please tell me because I'm not quite sure. I know why I like it. What do you see in it? That's going to help you in case this in case this this relationship doesn't work. You can use that information later. It's going to tell you how interested they are, right? And that might give you an insight on on their level of um, interest, kind of to use later. I'm also going to ask them this: How important is intellectual property? I want to know. I don't want to know later. I want to know now. I also want to know. And, and if they're a big company, where would you like intellectual property? Oh, you you think patents are great? Fantastic. Um, do you want protect? Would you prefer? Do you like protection in other parts of the world? Where would we like them? I want to be able to ask those questions. The reason why I can come back and change my strategy. You know, if IP is important, I might have to redo my PPA, or I might have to file another one, or maybe a design patent, or something else. If it's not that important, okay, great. If they tell me, if they're telling me how important it is, I might use that when I negotiate the licensing agreement to get them to pay for it because they told me how important it is. You guys, you have to ask really good questions. And that's one thing that Andrew and I and our team have really realized of how to get the deals done. I'm going to say this, this one thing I've learned. People say to me all the time, Steve, thank you for the books. Thank you for the videos. They're really great. I will call you once I get a licensing deal. They never call. Because they made these mistakes. They weren't able to lead that first conversation into a deal. They went out of sequence. And if you go out of sequence, you have risk written on your forehead. Risk. And you, you know, you think you have you think on your forehead it says opportunity. But if you're going out of sequence, asking questions that don't really help them, you're going to send a red flag that maybe they shouldn't be working with you. So that's mm -hmm. why I like to I like to ask questions. I like to ask them also, what's important to you? What, what are the things that you're concerned about? Because maybe they're concerned about cost, right? And if they know that, then maybe we'll get to this slide in just a minute. That's something I need to focus on a little bit more, and I'll get to how important that is in a minute. So. Be prepared. Don't talk about you. Listen to who's in the room. Ask good questions. Because if you don't do this correctly, they will run as fast as they can from you. Next slide, please. What let me just give one one comment on this subject. If you get interest from a company and you just merely respond to the questions they ask you, you'll probably never close a licensing deal. So what Steven is saying here is absolutely spot on. You need to ask them questions and you need to listen, but you shouldn't just respond to their questions. Sometimes they don't know how to conduct that call. The marketing manager loves your product, but he's never done a licensing deal. The company has licensed five products, but you're talking to him and he's asking stupid questions. So, I mean, there's no such thing as a stupid question if they're asking it, but you need to ask them as many questions as they're asking you. You can't just sit there and go, oh yeah, why don't you send me the contract? I'll just answer your questions. You have to ask the questions, as Stephen is saying, to gather information to put the deal together later. You cannot fully depend on yep. them to ask all the questions. It's a recipe for disaster. I can come back and knowing what's important to them. So yes. when I'm negotiating, I'm giving them what they need. It's really right. simple. Right. Number 10, you know, people always trip up on this. You ask for an NDA too quickly. And they're going to run for the hills, man. And the reason why NDAs are not protection tools, NDAs, and if they're a really big company, they're probably not even going to sign one. So you have to know when to ask for one because there is a time to ask for one, but you're not asking for one because you think they're going to steal it. You're asking for one so the clock doesn't start on your intellectual property. And that's an easy ask. But if you go out of sequence and you ask too early, that conversation might end very fast. So just re recognize, don't ask too early. You ask when they start to ask for intellectual property, and it's a perfect time to say, look, you're asking for stuff that I don't want the clock to start. So can we sign an NDA? And most likely you're gonna be signing theirs, right? So just do that in the right sequence.
or or a prototype that's also uh, quite often a decent time if you're going to be sending them some sort of prototype you made that might be a good time to ask them to sign an nda too we have plenty of students that don't bother they're like hey i got my ppa andrew i don't care you know okay we're almost Ooh, bonus, bonus tip. tip bonus tip um yeah we already talked about this a little bit i i i think we have a tendency to oversell, stop selling. They're already on the phone. Um, and just listen. And I'll tell you, the more I listen and more I ask questions, it just it 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 sends a set it sends a message I care about them. And and truly they have the leverage and you need you need to really satisfy them. Right. And it seems to go a lot easier. But let's go to number 12. I think it's more important, actually. Yeah, here it is, you guys. The number one reason why products get kicked out, I think, is the price. Yeah. And I think that's another rule that we were pretty relaxed on that most situations, mo most simple ideas, you don't need to know the manufacturing costs. Hey, they can do this, they can do this. Look at them both side by side. They're going to be fairly close. Okay. But that's not going to cover all ideas. And I can tell you the two things on their mind is going to be the point of difference in the marketplace. Can we sell it? Is the benefit great enough? And is it going to compete? Is it going to be competitive? And if your cost is out of line, it's going to fall out very quickly. And sometimes they might look at your marketing material and they might think it's going to cost too much. So if you really want to up your game to pro level, pro level, you're going to start thinking about manufacturing costs. But because why this is also important, because if you know what it's going to cost and you filed intellectual property in the most e efficient way, it can be made. Mm -hmm. I think that's more important than anything. How are we going to make money? So I, I think to up your game in today's world, yes, you need better marketing material. You need to listen better. You need to have a point of difference. You, you need good... You know, you need to know the world of licensing and up your game by knowing some of the costs. It's always going to come down to cost, always. So if you want to deal with it later, it might hurt you. I would deal with it earlier than later, you guys. And that's something that Andrew and I have been a little bit like, ah, no big deal. I think it's a bigger deal today than it ever has been. Okay. That's yeah, it. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Uh, we we have, that was great, Stephen. That was fantastic. We have um so many freaking questions in here. Okay. There's no way we're gonna get to all of these, so please don't be offended if we don't get to yours. Um, I went in the small screen. We had somebody in here asking. Let's see. They're basically oh here is Michelle wrote, but a manufacturer can be asked to sign an NDA at the start, right? Question mark. Um, I mean, they can be, Stephen, but and everything we offer today, don't consider it legal advice. We're not attorneys. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. There's our little disclaimer. But um, you're going to feel like you're beating your head up against a brick wall in most cases, but we're not saying that's true 100% of the time. Most of the time, you know, you file the provisional patent. You say patent pending on your product. You got that stake in the sand. If you ask, and I'll let Stephen give his take. But if you ask every company to sign your NDA up front, you are going to make this job of licensing your products probably four or five times harder. And you're probably listening to an attorney that has probably no. never licensed anything in their life and doesn't know what the no. No. know what they're talking about. Okay. Um, Andrew's right. First of all, let's talk about what an NDA is. A mutual NDA is basically saying, look, I'm going to show you something that's confidential. Don't share it. And you're going to tell me things, and I won't share it either. Where is that protecting anybody? How is that protecting you? See, that's where everybody gets it wrong. Now, there are some NDAs that say you won't re-engineer re, re or revert, reverse engineer my idea. I've seen NDAs say that. No one will ever sign that. Of course. So, so recognize that there is a time for it. But when is the right time? But how would someone sign an NDA if they, they don't even know what you have? 
So maybe you could describe it in a paragraph. My idea has to deal with packaging that eliminates plastic rings. It's it's 100% curbside recyclable. And I've got some designs that can run on existing equipment. That's enough. Okay. I got it. All right. We can sign an NDA. Perfect. But hey, sign an NDA. I've got this great idea. That's not going to work. And I, the other day, uh, a company flat out told us one group that we're working with, we're not ever going to sign an NDA. I don't know what half the company's doing. Uh, and I, that's what I told them. And I, and I think it's our job to file faster and think ahead. That's why I'm always talking about filing provisional patent applications that are thinking ahead of anybody else that you're showing it to, but that's a whole nother class, you guys. So, and some of, Well, I'll just do a two second version of that. You file the provisional, you talk to a company, they share a problem. You're like, hmm, I got a solution to that problem. You file another provisional for another 60 bucks and then you show them the solution. There's the short version of it. Um, if people are like, I can do that. I can file more than one PPA. Hell yeah, you can. Um, Steven, there's so many questions in here. Right, let's, go to, let's go to another one. Well, Keith, Keith's actually a student of ours. He says, does it make sense to put the manufacturing cost in the second page of the sell sheet? That's a good, good question. Manufacturing cost, another reason to overcome any objections. Yeah, yeah, I on some of the projects I have, I will even put in that paragraph that this patented or this patent pinning uh, invention um, is actually uh, uses less material, it's lower cost, and it can run on existing equipment. <laughs> because I know they're going to ask that. Can we run it on our existing equipment? And what does it cost? So I answer it, right? So you can get out ahead of it. I try to, right? So this is what they want to know. Why is it different? IP strategy, tell me why should I care? you know, tell me a little bit about some cost. Those are really good things to get people engaged. And if you find the right pain point and put this together, you're going to get a response. Hmm. Steven, next one is from Celeste. She's an inventor group leader in South Africa. This is an interesting one. Is it, she says, is it wise to record a Zoom meeting while pitching, et cetera? You know, Steven, I think when you're when you're trying to build trust with a company, and they can see you're recording the meeting. I, I, my gut reaction is it's a very bad idea. You're trying to establish trust. Now they might not say something they would have. You're trying to get them to loosen up and be friends. I mean, it'd be like it'd be like meeting somebody on the street and go, hey, it's nice to meet you, and just sticking your phone in their face and like you're recording them. Hey, I'm going to record this conversation. It's a little I, obnoxious. No, it, it's if you're going to record maybe a conversation, must maybe later for details. Yeah. Right. And you've probably signed NDAs and you've got a project going and you want to make sure you got all the details. But no, I, I would never do that. Okay. Good question, though, Celeste. Good question. Okay. Um, just looking for some other ones. Uh, Jennifer was saying, uh, she was commenting on what somebody else was saying. A lot of people are saying, I've, I've made some 3D renderings, and actually it's way better than any prototype I could ever make. make. And Stephen have found that, Stephen and I have found that to be true. I do see some inventors where that prototype's so good. I'm like, dude, you don't need a virtual prototype. But I'd say that is more the exception. Now, if you do have a great prototype, you touch it and it falls apart, but it looks fantastic just as good as a virtual prototype. Can you take a picture of it and use it? Sure. Absolutely you can. Most people yeah, just don't have that. Here's what's crazy about this. I can show a, a virtual prototype that looks remarkable. I can show it to the biggest company in the world. And if they're interested in this situation I'm in right now, they're going to pay for the prototypes. I don't pay for them. Right? Because the interest was so big, they want this and they'll mm -hmm. fund it. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. For so, you, the type of stuff you're working on, normally prototypes aren't that much. <laughs> usually they're not. But the point is if if you show if the benefit, if the pain point is obvious and you have a good solution and, and you've got the price point 
that's going to be the same price or a little bit less. You're you're lining it up and it can be executed. Know what you've done? You just took away risk. Now, what I'm telling you to do is upping your game. You don't have to do this, right? Because we still see deals get done all the time without doing this level of work. We do see that. Yes, we do. But what I'm saying tonight, if you really want to up your game to get the people easier and get the yes, you want to get the yeses to take away risk, consider going another, bounce it up a little bit. Right, go, okay, all right, I got it, Steve. You're giving me some tools. I'm going to be a little bit better at this because the people you're competing with are doing it. Right, mm -hmm. think about this. You know, you're competing, and Andrew and I see it. We have a relationship with Hasbro. Andrew meets with this one guy, and we make sure that whatever we show to Hasbro is probably pretty darn good stuff because we know other people showing Hasbro. The bar is here. We can't hear. It's here now. So, but there's one thing I want to say, though, too. A good idea is a good idea. <laughs> and the one thing that's really remarkable about a good idea, it could be a lousy presentation. And I've seen it. I've seen one that was just lousy, but the magic was there. Right? The magic was there. So so it comes back to, you know, being creative and finding the pain and 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 producing a little bit of magic and putting the right pieces together and being knowledgeable and taking away a little bit of risk and, and doing all those things. When you start to add that up together, you're going to get deals. <laughs> That's how it works. That's what we're seeing today, you guys. Stephen, on, on kind of a similar topic, a bunch of people are talking about Noel and Chad. Uh, short videos instead of a sell sheet. I mean, that's that is a, something that hasn't changed at all. That's not a rule we're breaking. Um, some of our students they'll have a sell sheet, just a sell sheet, and we're like, oh, that's fine for this product. Others will have a sell sheet with a link to a YouTube video, unlisted, so nobody can see it except for the people that have the link. And then other people will forget the sell sheet, just do a video. Videos can be great, and they aren't necessarily what you think. They could be a series of static images of somebody narrating in captions. They could be some moving images. They can be a lot of different things. And there's a lot of ways to fake that the product even works, even though it doesn't. You know they can make it work, but you can make it work in a video. So um, Chad chimed in and said, videos always work better for me, showing not only Thank the you. product, but full action. So yeah, sell sheets are great. I mean, so sell sheet videos, we call them sometimes. Videos are a great way to license a product too. I I think a video is always going to be better than a sell sheet. Always, always, hands down, because you're showing something how it's working, right? I mean, you know, a sell sheet's static. And Andrew's right. It, your sell sheet, your video could just be the product, different angles, right? It could be narrated, right? Tells a story, but always better. In fact, I, you guys, I'm so dumbfounded by. This one project I'm working on dealing with the biggest company in the world, no prototypes even made. And it was all done with the video, a 3D computer generated sample put together with the video that was narrated it, it, to me. But then again, it comes down to a good idea, right? Good idea. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when you put a good idea and you put some of those other things up about it, you know what happens? You light a fire. That's what you do. You light a fire. It's not something they think about and they'll get back to you in three weeks. I've seen it where they get back to you in 24 hours. Let's talk about it. And I haven't seen that before, but I'm seeing it now. If you put everything together and, and, and take away the risk and all the things we talked about tonight, you guys, let me tell you why this is really important to me and to Andrew. We take pride at InventRight and IGA to give you the most current information that's available. And the only way we can do that is with talking to companies, um, pitching ourselves, um, being actively involved in the process of what works and what doesn't work and keep thinking. This issue of 
pitching and getting in the companies has irritated me so much in the last couple of months that you're going to see some other things that InventRight's going to do that's going to shock you. I told Bev about it about an hour ago. I got irritated. And you don't want to get me irritated. And I got irritated. And I said, look, we we got to find a better way to do this. And and this information is going to help you. But you'll see in the next couple of months something InventRight's going to do that we have never done before. Because I want you to be able to get to companies with good ideas. That's how it works. So there, See, but there was a there was a question um, earlier. And I forget who asked it because there were so many in there, but I'll I'll paraphrase it. Um, there was a question, and I think it was from an InventRight student, or at least a fan. And historically, we always taught people always ask permission. LinkedIn email. I have a product that I think is the right match for you. Can I send you a sell sheet, a one-page sell sheet? And can you give it a 30-second look or whatever you want to say? There's a lot of different things you can say. So they were asking the question, should I still ask or should I just send my marketing materials? So now we're in the mood of breaking all the rules and everything. My opinion is you should still ask. Are you are you have you been breaking that rule at all? I I think you have to look at the company and feel good about the company and make sure they have a good reputation and the, you've done some homework, you, you know they work with us and they treat us fairly. But even with that, if I, I will only show it if it's patented without asking. If it's patented, I'll let it fly. A provisional right. is good enough? No, I won't do it with the provisional. Okay. No, it's just, you know, you know what it is? It's kind of courtesy too, right? Right. It's it's a little bit of courtesy too. And and I, I think it's polite to ask because you know, sometimes they might um there might be they might have a policy that you don't know about. So they won't click on it anyway. You're being very polite. But I'll tell you, it's really hard for them not to click on it. If well, your pitch, if your pitch is good, it's hard for them not to click it. Well, it's there's not even a click. They're just going to see the PDF in their email. They no. can't they can't look away. They got to look away. And now we did have it, this is an anomaly, but I remember a while back, it was a couple years back, we had a student that sent straight to the CEO, sent a sell sheet, and the the CEO got really really pissed. Said, "You sent this to me. I didn't give you permission to send this to me. What if we were working on something similar?" I don't find that to be typical, but they. They did get really well, upset. It's unsolicited. See, here's the thing. It's unsolicited. And that's, you know, you, you, so they're kind of opening the door when they say yes. So they might be irritated about that too. But realize if it's patented, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter if they're working on something else. It doesn't matter at all because it's patented. They can find it anyway. That's why, I'm, that's why even with that though, I like to ask permission, but I think it's just a courtesy, right? Because you don't know their policy. So, yeah, I, I think it's okay. But no, I have some of the products I'm working on are patented and I have gone ahead and I said, I'm going to let it rip. Okay, but, good. But I know, but you have to just be a little bit cautious too, right? Okay. Every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. So Stephen, we're about 11 minutes past the hour. I think we need to wrap up here. Is there anything you want to say in closing? No, I just want to thank everybody for showing up tonight. We had a very good crowd tonight. It looks like we've had way over 100 people plus. Yeah, like 150 but, at one point there, yeah. yeah so cool. keep on participating. Keep on watching our videos. If you're on LinkedIn, make sure you link to, to us. And just be involved. Keep pushing. Don't stop. Follow up, follow up, follow up until you think you're going crazy. That's the formula for success. <laughs> I love it. I can't do better than that. So I'll just remind everybody to take care and keep inventing and we'll catch up with you guys next time. See ya. Bye, Bye. everybody.